Listening to Real Talk SLP with your host, Felice Clark, the Deviling Speechy. This is a show to help speech pathologists navigate the SLP world with real life stories to celebrate therapy successes and how to persevere when failure comes knocking on your door. Hey, 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 Rockstar SLPs. This is Felice Clark, the Dabbling Speechy, and I'm your host of the Real Talk SLP podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about three tips that will help you successfully collaborate with your colleagues. Now, many of us in a school setting, we have the opportunity to implement collaborative services. And if you're thinking, what in the world are collaborative services? you need to go back to episode 41 and and listen to it. I break down what the different types of collaborative services there are and, and how they can be implemented. Now, some of you may be going, if I said the word push in therapy, you'd go, oh, I know what you're talking about. I go in the class and I teach a whole lesson in front of all the kids. And, and I would say, yes, that's a type of collaborative service. But if you're wanting to really dive into the umbrella of what collaborative services are, I really recommend listening to that episode, episode 41, and then coming back, listening to this episode, because now we're talking about the implementation of collaborative services. And you know, what's the hardest part of collaborative services? (laughs) It's working with other adults period, the end. And sometimes the kids can be challenging trying to figure out how to set up collaborative services. But why do we, why is there such an emphasis in preschool and kindergarten about working well with others and playing nice with others? It's because it is a foundational skill that we need as adults. And in the midst of trying to take care of your classroom or your caseload and all the the weighted things that we have to carry and do each day for our students. And, and, you know, we know the back end of that is IEPs, assessments, behavior management, teaching the content, planning all the content, you know, doing your yard duties, all those things make it very, very complicated at times to stay on the same page with your colleagues. And, and that's why in this episode, I'm going to be talking about three really key tips that will help you go in with a really positive first step at collaborating with a colleague. And a while back, I had an SLP reach out to me who was asking for my advice on how to proceed with the teacher and, and the staff. She was trying to implement some students' IEPs and going into the classroom and pushing into the classroom. And she was met with a lot of resistance. And and basically what it all boiled down to was it sounded like everybody was having miscommunications and, and it was causing a little bit of drama. And I don't know about you, but drama can be just... It's not fun. We don't want that in the workplace, but it happens probably more often than not. And and, and a lot of times it really comes down to people not communicating and and finding the time to communicate. So here this SLP was saying, I have to go to a meeting with this teacher and a supervisor so we can can hash it out, right? (laughs) 
And she was asking me for some handouts and things that I, some talking points for how to, you know, show why she needs to go into the classroom and do all the, you know, implement the students' IEPs this way. So as I was listening to this SLP's dilemma, you know, as much as it's really uncomfortable to have to go be in a formal meeting with another staff member and then possibly a mediator, it came to, you know, from an outside person looking in, it appeared as though because they hadn't laid some frameworks down and really got on the same page, they're now in a place where everyone's frustrated. Probably some people are making comments, people don't feel welcome and they feel mistrust, all sorts of things can go down and it could have been avoided. And the, the positive piece to what, what this SLP shared with me was that they were going to a meeting. And whenever you have a meeting, that means you get to clear the air, you get an opportunity to be present and to really talk about what the collaborative partnership is going to look like. And, and so I don't know about you guys, <laughs> but it makes me nervous to have to sit in a formal meeting with my boss and hashing things out. Now, if I had to do that, I, I think it's for the best because if you've gotten to that place where you need a third party, it really just means that you need support to get things back to a good place, right? To a good, safe place with, with the partnership. But there are three things that you can do that would probably avoid you from having to go into um, a really formal meeting. And the SLP, some of the tips that I gave her, she implemented these things. And one, and a couple of the things that she said after that, um, she said it really helped. We, she did some, I'm going to go into the tips, but I'm going to say she did my tips. And she said that it, the collaboration was strengthened and it, it moved in a more positive direction. Everyone was on the same page. And when we're on the same page, and that means putting students first, right? We're putting students first above our own egos and our own things that we want. We are now going to be a more unified team to support the student with even stronger educators backing that student because we're all on the same page. And that's what's really important about collaborative services. If we aren't on the same page and we're not there remembering that we're there for the student, we're going to really struggle. And because we know there's tons of roadblocks standing in the way of, of doing some of these things. And the first big tip that I'm going to say is you need, well, first you need to approach the staff member when they actually have a minute to think and be present with you. And, and, and that, that means not pulling them aside while they're teaching and bringing up, Hey, I'm going to come into the classroom. I'm going to come in at this time and I'm going to do this, this, and that. Or you're going, you're approaching one of the instructional aides when you really should be talking to the teacher. And if you're not able to find that time, you really need to go and say, Hey, I'd love to talk with you about some students. When would be a good time to do this? Can we do this over the phone? Can I meet with you after school one day? You know, find a time where they can process and think about what you're presenting to them, right? Because chances are you're going to find out when you're actually able to sit down in front with them in a quiet space, you may 
they may feel a little apprehensive about doing some of your ideas. And you can save yourself a lot of time not making visuals or preparing certain lessons that they are not going to then collaborate and follow through with you on. But if you get information about what they do need support with or what they're, or maybe, you know, or what they would like some help with, you can tailor a, a, a collaborative approach that is actually going to be implemented. And so this is the foundation of finding, you know, some buy-in from the teachers. What are they going to buy into? And you can't do that in a 30 second conversation after you drop your kids off, you know, their kids back to the classroom after speech. I know we have time limits and I'm not saying I've never done that either where I'm like, Hey, can I talk to you about this really quick? So I'm not saying I've never done that, but if you're really wanting to implement something a little different and new, and you really want the staff to feel safe and on board with you, I recommend taking that extra step. The teacher or the instructional aides may be a little bit nervous having you come into the classroom. They may never have had a speech service implemented differently. And we all know how we can get into our routines of, you know, this is how we do it. We just pull the kids for 30 minutes and drop them back off and they get a sticker after they do their speech each time. And the teacher's like, that's what they do. You know what I mean? And so now you're over here trying to switch things up. And that takes a little bit of time and extra energy up front. So you have to think about what do you really want for the long-term goal with the collaboration? And then what are those little mini steps that you're going to take to get there? Okay, tip number two, define the roles of the collaboration and how you will communicate. Okay, so let me say that again. Define the roles of the collaboration and how you will communicate. So you really, during this, this meeting and or during these first stages of collaboration, you really want to identify how you're going to collaborate together, what who's in charge of what part of you know supporting that student. That may mean that, you know, the teacher is going to meet with you once a week to share some of the curriculum that's going to be implemented for the month. And then you are going to plan lessons to do in front of the class. But while you're in the classroom, you've already defined the roles that when everyone breaks up into stations, the, the aides and the teacher and yourself are going to be running stations with activities that you planned. Or maybe you are going to have the teacher be a floater and you and another staff member are going to be running the stations. And the additional staff, you know, instructional aid is going to be implementing behavior plans and supporting some of those students to stay engaged. So you want to really define the roles of the collaboration. Who's doing what? So when it doesn't get done, you can go back to, hey, we define these roles. What's why, you know, what's going on? How come we're not following this? What are your thoughts? And you have a place to go back to, to always reference that collaboration. And it keeps things from getting personal and it keeps personalities out of it and who's right and wrong and all this stuff. It allows us all to take some accountability 
And, and, and that may mean both parties taking accountability. Um, and then the other piece to that tip is how are you going to communicate? Are you guys going to text each other? Are you going to use Voxer? Are you going to use a shared Google Doc? Are you going to meet once a week and one person is going to outline, you know, what's going to happen for the next couple of months? Or, you know, maybe you're going to have an instructional aid, you know, fill out a communication matrix for a student. Or you're, you're defining it all and you're having it written out. And if you are working with staff who may be struggling with doing some of these things, I would definitely write it out document it all. <laughs> okay. So that way, when, when you're trying to show that you are putting your best foot forward and you have to go to an administrator because the person is not working with you well, you have a place to stand, right? And then my third and final tip. So first we've talked about approaching the staff member when they actually have a time to be present and, and think about what you're, what you're proposing to them. Our second tip is making sure we really define the roles of the collaboration partnership and how we're going to communicate and keep each other up to speed. That's the accountability part for both parties. And then third tip, don't force your way into the classroom. You really have to build trust. And sometimes it's not always a great time to implement something big and new, like you're going to come in every week and we're going to do this big lesson and I'm going to stay in here for an hour and rotate with all your students and, and then I'm going to come back and I'm going to do more. <laughs> you know what I mean? So you really have to assess your staff and your situation, you have to see, you know, and sometimes that might, may even be, you know what, I have a really great relationship with the kinder K-1 classroom teacher. I'm going to go approach her first. And then you already have this feeling that this, maybe the other teacher that you work with that you, you want to collaborate more with, they either are feeling really overwhelmed Maybe they just got a bunch of new students that transferred in and they are just overwhelmed. Or I've even had situations where the classroom teachers' staff aides keep, you know, they're not showing up. So we always have inconsistent staff and subs and it's really overwhelming for the teacher. And that is probably not the best time to, to try to implement a big, giant collaborative plan right? So maybe in the meantime, you're working with that teacher that you guys feel like you have a solid, cohesive, collaborative plan. And the other teacher, you're looking to build trust. Or maybe you're going to go into the classroom once a month and just go in and support. Or maybe you're just going to come in at snack time outside of the kids' services, like you already see the kids in small groups, but you get you ask the teacher, can I come in at snack time and just see how the kids are communicating? Or can I make you some visuals? Or what would help support you in your class? Or maybe you're building trust by just telling the teacher what you notice them doing well or the staff that they're doing well. Or maybe you're taking this time to get information about what they need support with. And so what I like to do, this is kind of like a bonus tip, is I always like to set big dream goals for what I would love to see in a transformation with collaborative services. 
And then I make really small goals. So sometimes I'll make like a three to five year goal or something that I think, wow, wouldn't it be amazing if we were doing this? And then I take things month by month and try to think about what, what little small action can I take each week to build collaborative services? And, and that's where episode 41, if you go back and listen to that one, it will really open your eyes to that there is a lot of possibilities with the types of collaborative services you can implement. You can still pull kids out and also implement a collaborative service model. And for some of you out there, you may be the ones feeling super overwhelmed and like not knowing where to start. So I would try picking a teacher that you really get along with or someone that you could you have time in your schedule to do a collaborative service and try these three tips approach the staff member with the idea and ask for a good time that they could chat with you about collaborating defining the roles and how you're going to communicate and then assessing the situation to see if this is a good time to actually implement this And I'll give you a real good example before we wrap up. COVID-19, right? (laughs) I serve K-2 students with complex communication needs. They are in self-contained classrooms or special day classrooms. And we were virtual for pretty much the whole year. I had dreams and plans. I was starting at a new school. I was all excited because I heard the staff was really collaborative. And I thought, this is going to be awesome. I'm going to get do all sorts of collaborative collaboration. I don't know what it's going to look like because every time I do collaborative services with staff members, it kind of has its own flair, which is exciting and also maybe like terrifying for some of you, but I like it. And I had to do push in, like we had to figure out systems for how to do all this stuff virtually. And so I did virtual push in, uh, what in the mornings once a week for both classrooms as kind of like, this is one type of service that I'm providing. And then I saw students in small groups. And let me tell you, I was not going, Hey, we should break out into breakout rooms and I'm, you're going to plan some of the lesson and then I'm going to plan some of the lesson and then we're going to both pause and during the virtual session and I will do this part of it and then you will do this part of the lesson. None of that happened. I taught the lesson. I, I collaborated with the staff on different skills and themes they were using from the unique curriculum, but I took on that task and I would not say we were necessarily co-teaching but we were trying the best we could in a virtual situation, right? And I was not about to be like, hey, you really need to be working using those AAC devices. They need to be out at all times. When we, you know, all this, we were just trying to figure out the technology. And so about a month in after we did all that, I mean, we always had our core boards up and encouraging the parents to pull the core boards out. But once we were about a month in, that's when I started collaborating with the teacher and just saying, hey, this is our small goal. If we can get the parents to pull out the child's AAC device during our lesson and we have our core word of the month, that will be a big 
that will be a small success towards what we're hoping our students to, you know, actually use their AAC device to communicate. So instead of going, okay, we need to get the, you need to always have them pull their AAC device out. They need to be doing da 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 da. The teacher and I set the established rule that we were going to always, at the beginning of our lessons and her lessons when I'm not there, prompting the parents, um, here's some core words we're going to talk about today. Get your AAC, you know, device out or your core board. And we're talking about go. And we give them wait time to pull it out, right? And that's where we started. And we had to take those baby steps. So I hope that these three tips were helpful and the examples of SLPs struggling with collaboration and the roadblocks that we're facing. So this school year, if you're thinking about doing collaborative services or push-in services and you're kind of struggling with the, the structure of what to do, I'm going to be talking at the speech retreat. It's a virtual professional development event happening on July 17th that is going to be talking about how you can do push-in therapy for your self-contained classrooms. And if you're still interested in getting a ticket, you can go to speechretreat.com to grab a ticket. I will also put a link in my show notes and... You know, if you have specific questions or th- or roadblocks you're facing with implementing push-in services and collaboration, always, always feel comfortable to reach out to me in a DM on social media or email me at Felice Clark at thedabblingspeechy.com because we are all facing roadblocks. There's never been a perfect year when I've done collaborative services, but it's about navigating them so that you can continue to do them, right? It's about keeping things in good standing so that we can continue to collaborate with colleagues in a positive way. All right. Okay. SLPs have a great week. Um, I hope you're enjoying summertime. You're getting some vacations in and just rest and relaxation. As always, don't forget, be the SLP that every kid wants to see. Stay inspired. I will see you next week. I'm really excited. We're going to be talking about a collaborative service model using coaching. So if you are wanting to coach staff, coach parents, coach teachers. You're going to want to tune into that episode. All right. See you later.